At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store, Google Play store. We're in Stitcher. Uh, you can find Tim on Twitter at libcontim. Find me at libconmat. Buy Tim's book. It's on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, it is raining cats and dogs and tomatoes and shit here in Durham. It's a nasty night, and I'm in a borderline not great mood. And Tim is having some fun, scratchy voice trouble things. So if you hear me checking Sorry. from here on out, uh, well, was, your your wife got you sick. You have no control over this. We can blame your wife. Well, right? our father got all of us sick. He took down my baby, my wife, and me. Jerk. That's true. So we'll just blame. So we'll just blame Dad. If you're listening, this is entirely your fault. We he's not listening. Good. He never cares. No, he's not, but you know, hey. <laughs> Poor dad. We have a wonderful father. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Anyway, we uh, we are sorry for neglecting you the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, summery, vacationy, family things going on. You know, it's been so. This was sort of an intended break, and if we had a real website, we would have posted something about it. But we don't. Uh, we're we're bad people, and we'll and we're we're very very sorry. We hope to find our way back into your good graces uh, as we go along. So, uh, but, uh, in the meantime, I'm getting some sort of emergency alert thing on my phone and I hate that crap. There's, like I said, there's flash flooding and shit all over the place. What is going on? Are you in a nuclear holocaust all of a sudden? Like there's air raid sirens going off in my ears from you. Like what's, are you okay? Is everything? (laughs) Um, I'm fine. fine Are you serious? How are you? Were you, wait, were you serious? Were the air raid? Could you hear all that? Yeah. Seriously? Wow. I didn't even hear it. I felt it buzzing and my phone got all funky. And then all of a sudden you went into speaker mode and I don't know. That's a big mess. So the first three minutes of this have been an absolute disaster. We, we hope you're still listening. And if you are, we are professionals and we definitely kind of like the Republican doing. convention. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it's like Trump announcing yeah. his VP. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Did you watch that? No, I did not. Could I? It man, it I didn't. I watched sort of a sped up version of it, and and uh, you know, we'll we'll just we're 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 just going. We'll start off. Donald Trump selected Mike Pence as his, as as his VP, the governor of Indiana. I'm sure everyone knows about it, but anyway, I I I like I've seen I saw. When I, I can't even remember when Clinton chose Gore, you know, to run. I saw that. I, I remember seeing that announcement, and I can remember uh, like McCain Palin, and I remember uh, Gore choosing Lieberman, and and Romney picking Ryan, and Obama picking Biden, and and it's always this. Uh, you know, the candidate gets up there, and they talk about. It, it's basically a. This is who my running mate's going to be, and it's a big thing, and there's a a, a fun sort of, you know, reveal sort of deal. And then the whole thing is about that running mate and who they're going to be. This was like 30 minutes of Trump doing his thing, which is talking about how awesome he is. And then this 
Uh, by the way, and I picked this dude to be my VP. He's great. It, it, All it, right. was, it was baffling. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just. It was. It, it was. You know. But I mean, this entire thing has been baffling. So it's sort of on par with the entire campaign up to now. Um, what What did you think of Pence? And what do you do? You know him very well. What do you What do you, What do you What do you think of him? Well, I mean, he's he's famous now because of the the whole Indiana uh, religious freedom bill thing that happened with in Indiana. Um, and also I, trying to keep the refugees out. He was the guy that was that refused the one family or something. Yeah. A while back. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he, he's a reasonably solid conservative i guess uh it's weird for him to be you know it's it's like when uh people were calling rubio establishment you're just kind of like i i don't think he's establishment republican like he's uh you know he's he's not he's not a tea partier but he certainly is like one of their forefathers almost uh you know and he had some Moments where he had spoken fairly strongly against some of the stuff that Trump was saying, uh, but he seems to now be walking, trying to walk that stuff back. Um, you know, this is this is exactly the kind of guy that Trump said he wanted. He wanted a uh, career politician who could help him to navigate the ins and outs of the D.C. bureaucracy, and that's who he's got. Pence spent 12 years there, and he's well-liked by... The majority of um, Republican congressmen. So, as far as choices go, this seems as a good as good a candidate as Trump was going to get, because I, I think the vast majority of solid conservatives would not have agreed to it. So, I guess my biggest, I guess the biggest shock for me is just that Pence was willing to do it. Um, so, I good job Trump on actually managing to talk him into it. Well, I think from what I read about his willingness to do it is is more it has more to do with uh, the fact that his own presidential ambitions have been sort of shut down and that he's getting older and this may be the closest that he'll get. You know, he's, he's proving, you know, that he really is just a politician, you know, who wants everybody to you know love him, I guess. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, he's never. I, I'm with you. I don't, everybody talks about this as that, like he's some sort of establishment politician. I, you know, he's always to me been one of those guys that, you know, just because he's critical of Trump doesn't mean that he's not a little tea party crazy. And, you know, I, to me, that line of, you know, who's an establishment Republican, who's a tea party person, who's a Trump person, it's all starting to blend together and there's just Republicans. And, you know, I anymore. There's just so much crazy. I can't even. I've, I've been trying to sort out the crazy and and dice it, hash it out a little bit. But I, honestly, the difference that the road from Paul Ryan to Donald Trump is just that gap is just narrowed so much in the last little bit that I I can't even. I don't even want to begin to try to figure it out. And I'm sure Mike Pence is somewhere in there. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I was more amused just watching people make fun of that initial logo that they put out. Did you see that? Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed. That, I enjoyed that, that too. That my favorite was the "What is that T doing to that P?" <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't see enough TP, Beavis, and Butthood sort of jokes out there yet. I keep waiting for those to, more for those to pop up, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, I don't like the Trump Pence thing. I, I hate it when you have uh, uh, consonants that match at the beginning and end of, th- at the end and beginning of things like that with double P's. I, I'm not going to like pronouncing that over the next little bit. So that, that, that annoys me. I can't believe it. Yeah, I can't believe he picked him because of that. That alone should have eliminated this entire thing from happening. <laughs> we'll make sure to tweet Trump about that. I, I it's get, all about branding, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess one of the, the the strangest things for me, and one of the things that's going to be hardest for me to reconcile uh, as a globalization free trade Republican, which I thought is what my party stood for. That's who Pence has always been, and and Pence was pro TPP, and he he's and Trump is not. Trump is so anti all of these things, uh, and and maybe I maybe I'm misreading Trump. Maybe I'm not understanding exactly what he's saying, but he has sounded to me as very anti free trade, uh, and he has pushed isolationist and nativist policies that simply don't jive with what has generally been the Republican standard of free trade and free markets. So, um, no, I don't think you're misreading it at all. I, in fact, I think, you know, based on the conversation that I had with someone who we both know and, and, and love a lot, uh, uh, that that was one of the things that was appealing about Trump is that he is anti-globalization because they think that globalization and uh, free trade and all these things are, it's, it's a very Brexit Brexit ish sort yeah. of stance. Well, um, and this is, and know. this is another thing that I don't understand. And maybe I, because everyone talks about how in touch Trump is with everybody emotion with everybody's emotions. So maybe I'm the one who is not in touch, but and Trump has done so in previous presidential elections. The person who painted the most optimistic picture was the winner, right? So you had Ronald Reagan with "It's Morning in America," yay! Uh, you had George George W. Bush with his big heart conservatism, and you had uh, Obama most of all with "Yes, we can." You know, it was this exciting, upbeat message, and Trump has completely turned that on its head. And he's, you know, with the old make America great again and this country's going going to hell. I how are we going to hell? I, I don't understand because I I do see, you know, some of the struggles that are out there, uh, the the race, uh, the tensions uh, in race at, at this moment. Um, and I do see the, the there are issues, the, the the wage inequality, you know, this is an issue. But in general, it feels like our country is doing very well. And by all economic markers, our country is doing very well. What is everyone so mad about? I don't, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't understand what everyone is so upset about. That's where I'm, okay. that's, that's the big place I'm confused. I can tell you, I no, I'm I'm not gonna okay I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna play because we're, I think we're gonna do this a little bit but I'll give you a little preview because I'm I'm for a second here I'll I'll, I'll play the Trump voter and again I just came off having a very long conversation about all of this and 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 I 
I'm not going to say that I, 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 don't, I do not agree with it. Let me just be clear before anything, before I say any of what I'm about to, I do not agree with any of this, but this is the way that I think it's, it's being seen. I think that over the course of the last 20 to 30 years, I think that white men over 50 today have believed that they were being marginalized, that they were being told what to do. Okay. And these are guys that grew up in the fifties and sixties when it was a really good time to be a white guy, a white Protestant male. It was a good time to be that you had every reason to expect that things were going to go your way and that you would have, you'd be able to marry somebody and they would, they would take care of you and that you'd have every opportunity to succeed. And in their lifetime, they have seen their own share of the universe shrink because the black population's grown. The Hispanic population has grown women's rights, gay rights, black rights, All of these things have taken over and now white men are not at the top of the food chain anymore the way that they used to be. And I think for the most, I think that there has been some backlash in a lot of that. And I think that their anger is being directed in a whole bunch of different places. It's being directed at Black Lives Matter. It's being directed at immigration. It's being directed at globalization because they're having trouble getting jobs. And I think a lot, I think that Trump is resonating with them because he is vocalizing that anger because to them, this country used to be theirs and it's not exclusively theirs anymore. And when Trump goes out and says, I'm going to make America great again, I'm going to make things the way that they were. That's what they're hearing. And it's not so much about Trump himself as it is about what he represents. I, I think that that's part of it. Again, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. I'm just saying that's one, one theory that I think that that's the way that. Go ahead. It's just we're, just, it's just setting ourselves up for failure. It's this golden age syndrome. Where we think back to, you know, we, we put on the rose-colored glasses and we say, well, gosh, if only we could go back, you know, 30 years ago when everything was perfect, you know. But, but in reality, 30 years ago, there were a lot of issues and there were a lot of struggles. Uh, there never was a golden age where everything was perfect. There, there simply wasn't. And when politicians like Trump do this. They, they play on this idea that, oh, we're going to go back to when everything was great. And then they're going to get, he's going to get in power and he's not going to be able to do all of these things that he's saying, because it's not possible that that time simply didn't exist when everything was perfect and wonderful and great. Um, every time period has issues and has struggles and it's, it's not going to be good. It's exactly no, what's happened. It's exactly what's happened with Brexit. Everyone, you know, Brexit, we're going to leave, we're going to leave. And then they left and you saw all of the leaders of the Brexit movement 
go running <laughs> and disappear. Until now, who who's in charge? Oh, someone from the Remain camp is stuck being in charge. Because all the people who pushed leave realized that they were full of shit and couldn't follow through and didn't want to deal with the blowback. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I mean, and the other thing is, is that that's just what, what you're, what you're saying about, you know, that's not the way there, there is no golden age to go back to. It's also, it doesn't even, even if there was one, it's not, that's just not how life works. It's not how the world works. You know, you have to keep pushing forward. And, uh, you know, you were talking about fears. That's 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 the problem is that and that's and that's what annoys me is that a lot of these people that i know that are buying into this trump crap are good people and they're they they know they believe in their country and they believe in in uh you know they're they're very you know they're very good they're good folks and they're buying into all of these fears that he's playing on because there is a lot of fear out there. There's, there are reasons out there to, to obviously, I mean, just look at what's happened in the last, since, since we did our last show, how many people have died? How many, uh, how many attacks have there been? How much craziness is going on? Just a ton, just in this time frame, just this month. And this is a guy who is willing to play on those fears in order to gain power. And, and they're buying it. And the only thing that I can, the only thing that I am trying to tell people over and over again is that, look, don't be afraid because being afraid doesn't get you anywhere. We have to try to keep a level head through all of this. And, and it's, you know, electing Hillary Clinton is not going to be the end of our society any more than electing Barack Obama was the end of our society, the way that all of these people said it was going to be, uh, addressing things that need to be addressed is not that these are not, none of these things that everybody said were going to be the end of civilization as we knew it, allowing black people to get married, allowing black people to vote, allowing women to get, allowing women to vote, allowing gay people to get married. Uh, allowing, uh, you know, legalizing abortion, um, all, all of these things that have happened in the last 30 or 40 years, and somehow we do still have a civilization. So you don't address things by making people afraid. You address them by looking at the problems and trying to solve them. And that's not what Donald Trump is about, I don't think. And that's not what I've seen the Republican Party as being about in general. Romney very much was hitting the be afraid tone throughout most of his campaign in 2012. Um, Sarah Palin definitely did as part of the McCain camp in 2008. Mm -hmm. I don't know so much McCain, but Palin did. And I, you know, I've really heard legitimately one Republican politician in the last several years really try to strike a more hopeful tone throughout things. And that was John Kasich. Um, and I appreciated that out of him, even though it, he didn't gain any traction, obviously. So, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we, uh, so on, on the subject of Britain, Britain ha- does have a new prime minister. I like her from everything I've read about her. I, she sounds really like an interesting woman. Um, but I, it, uh, on the other hand, there's not a whole lot to know. She seems like a very sort of unknown quantity. 
uh, in a lot of ways um, to most people. What do you what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, the, the biggest thing that she's got going for her is she kind of has this Merkel-like um, calmness to her, uh, which in their current situation is, is desperately needed. Um, that said, I think that she's made an enormous mistake in making Boris Johnson her foreign minister. Um, he's She's introduced a very unstable element into her cabinet that I just I don't think that she needed. Uh, at this time um, and I don't understand I, I'm fascinated I, but I'm just fascinated to see how she goes about handling Brexit considering how much she was against it you know uh, you know David Cameron bailed because he was against this so he didn't feel like he could lead the party lead the country through this and now you've got Theresa May stepping up to do it where she herself was part of the Remain camp. So I guess it's a it's a good thing in the sense that she'll probably try to go for, uh, you know, sort of a Brexit light thing uh, where they're staying as as involved in the free market and the and the free free travel as, as much as possible. Um, so I, I, I think she's a, I think she was the, the best choice of all the options out there, but it's going to be a long road ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you've, you've got a, I don't know. That's, uh, I mean, this is what they voted for. So now I guess she's got a responsibility to try to put it into action, you know? Um, and I don't know, uh, I don't know, you know, we'll just, we'll just have to see. I mean, that's, you know, but I mean, the markets have bounced back. Uh, to bordering on historic levels. And right now, everything seems to be sort of leveling off. Now, do you think that's because everybody doesn't actually believe it's going to happen? Or is it because maybe this isn't quite such a big deal? Well, I think it's because there's just there's just no way to know exactly what's going to happen. And I think, it's, I think some of it does have to do with the fact that they've made Theresa May the prime minister. Um, because that does immediately instill a calming effect. You know, if they had then, you know, immediately jumped to Boris Johnson as the prime minister, then I think there's a strong chance that you wouldn't have seen everything kind of bounce back the way it has. But because they've put in a more solid, um, calm candidate, uh, the markets are a little bit less afraid. But let, let's be honest, it's also because nothing, nothing has changed yet. Right. So all the things that people are worried about, no, nothing's happened. None of these things have happened. But the and if all they end up doing is sort of this Brexit light thing, you know, and goes for sort of a Norway style involvement with the EU, then it, it might not be so bad. But that's that's not what the leave camp promised. You know, the leave camp promised a, a pretty much a complete leaving and they, and they promised, they made a lot of promises about all these changes people would see and the glory of the, of great Britain. And I think one of the biggest problems that you're going to see is the anger from the actual citizens of Britain when they don't get all of these changes and all of this, this, that these things that they were promised. You mean there are three free $350 million in money. Mm-hmm. 
that was just supposed to get poured back in, for example, that everybody knows for a fact was a big load of crap now. Yeah, exactly. These, yeah. these, these sorts of things. I think that's, um, and the disappointment that's going to come when they realize that, because one, one of the, right. So one of the big things that was promised was all this deregulation, right? So the EU puts all of these demands on them for trade. So, you know what, we're going to, we're going to get out of the EU and then therefore we're not going to have all of these regulations, right? Well, that's crap because Britain still has to export its goods to the EU. Why? Because the EU is makes up over well over 50% of all of Britain's exports. And if they want to export to those countries, they're still going to have to meet those same trade regulations that they were supposedly going to get out of. So it's it's yeah. it's and like the whole to, golden age theory thing. You know, they say, "Well, we're going to take it back to this golden age." That just doesn't exist anymore. You're not going to be able to go back to it. It's not the way the world works anymore. And it's a good thing it's not the way world the way the world works anymore. That's a good thing. The world is far better now than it was 50, 60 years ago. We're in a good place overall. There's definitely some struggles. The ter- terrorism is definitely an issue. Um, but every, every decade, every century has its, its issues. Uh, but overall, the world is a far better place and is a far richer place than it has ever, ever been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll just, it's like you said, we got, we got to see how, how all of this shakes out you know, in the long run. Um, but I do think it's amusing that in, in the aftermath of this, it's shot back up and now people are talking about how the stock market could go as high as 20,000 before the end of the year, uh, if it gets that far. So, you know, for all the grumping from, you know, wealthy folk about, you know, all the terrible things that Obama has done and, you know, just been an awful, awful president. And we have such a shitty economy these days. I don't know the you know, the stock market at least seems to be doing pretty well. That, that, and that's just it. As an unemployment is at all time lows. Like I mean, the economy is doing very well. And if we don't, as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot with crazy, you know, like shutting down all of our trade deals as Trump seems to want to do, uh, long, we're going to be fine. We're doing great. Obama has functioned as a solid center left politician. You know, there are some things that he's done that maybe we need to adjust. Maybe we need to tweak a little bit. Sure. Um, but it, it, he's been a solid president. And the worst thing that we could do is elect some far right person like he's not even far right. I don't even know what to call him. Some uh, some populist. That's all. Yeah. Some populist isolationist. Um, that, that's the worst thing that we could do. Uh also, in the time since we were gone, there have been no indictments for Hillary. I don't think it's coincidence that within about a week of that happening, Bernie Sanders came out and finally dropped out officially of the race and endorsed her. <laughs> um, so uh, there's that. Okay, no indictments. You had some thoughts on that I that we discussed at one point. I or you know, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to get back into this again? Uh, sure, because I think know, that there's the definitely that, you know. a tendency on the side of Democrats to try to downplay this and say, see, she didn't get indicted, so everything's fine. Everyone was being silly and stupid and ridiculous. But that's not what Coomer said. That, did I say that right, Coomer? Is that how you say his name? No, Coomer. 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 Is it Coomer? Coomer. C-O-M-E-Y. Coomer. Coco. That's not what Coco said. 
All right. <laughs> Coco has some very strong language um, about the way that Hillary Clinton behaved in all this. He made it clear that there was obvious deception on her part, that she deleted mass amounts of emails, that she lied multiple times, especially about this idea that she only did all this because of convenience, that there were definitely uh, emails of things that were labeled top secret at the time that she had it, that she broke all of these rules. But that said, given where things were at, he didn't feel like it was that any reasonable prosecutor would, would proceed with a case. This is hardly a giant victory. All it means is that you didn't quite F up bad enough to go to jail, but you F'd up pretty bad. And now you've got the State Department that is reinstating its investigation of everything. Because while there may not be criminal charges, there definitely seems to be the need for sanctions. And the simple fact that she is running for president should not prevent her from getting officially sanctioned just as if she was still in there with running as, running running the, the State Department. She should very much get, if, the, if she did all the things that Coco said, then she should get sanctioned and they should be severe sanctions. And the fact that she's running for president shouldn't change that fact. And if it does change it, all it's going to do is highlight the very thing that Republicans have been saying over and over and over again, that the laws do not apply to the Clintons. I have a lot of things to add to that. Okay, first of all, the the Republican indignation about this to me is just horribly, horribly, horribly uh, undercut by all of their actions during the current cycle. Not the least of which is nominating Donald Trump because to a certain extent, you're not wrong. Okay. I don't agree with everything that you said, but you're right to a certain extent. Hillary Clinton should be, given a slap on the wrist, something potentially for being, uh, you know, for being careless sanction her, put it on her official record. No, no bad Hillary, whatever you want to do. Perfectly fine. Go ahead. You want you want to do that. I don't have a problem with that. But at this stage, the first thing that, that, that Coco said was missing was the element of intent. Okay. That's the difference between her and Petraeus. Correct. Petraeus knew what he was doing and did it anyway. Hillary may have made some mistakes and it seems that she did make some mistakes and they were potentially dangerous mistakes, but in the end she wasn't hacked. None of this stuff got out. No, she wasn't hacked that we know of. He even said that it was likely that some of her emails had gotten but there's no, but there's no, but again, there's no proof that any of that happened. No proof. Right. But you just said, you just said it wasn't hacked. You made a statement. It wasn't hacked. No, but I did. Well, but as far as we know, what I said was, as far as we know, it wasn't hacked. 
There's no proof that it was. There's all of this, this, this innuendo and the what ifs and the, well, this could have, and maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Maybe we should investigate more. Should we have, well, I don't know. We can convene more conv- committees. We can have, we can have, don't worry, Paul Ryan's on the case. We'll have, we'll have the state department do their thing and, and, and it'll be great. It'll be just like the nineties again. We can have everybody investigating every move that the Clintons make. And in the end, you won't get anywhere. If history tells you tells everybody anything, it's that we have spent tens of millions of dollars waiting for the Republicans to prove that the Clintons did something against the law. Something, anything, we're going to find it. We'll do everything that we can to make absolutely certain that we have drugged the Clintons through every kind of mud possible. And in the end, have spared no expense. And in the end, the only thing that they have proven for a fact is that Bill Clinton got head from an intern and lied about it. That's well, all. And he, he did break a law. Though, Nothing. Just to make sure we're on the same page. That was breaking a law. And he was punished for it. But he wasn't he 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 wasn't uh, he wasn't removed from office. He went through all of this stuff. And not to mention the fact that whatever Bill did has absolutely no bearing on Hillary. Well, you brought it up. In that respect. No, but it's true. This has been a constant thing ever since the Clintons got into office. In ninety two, the Republicans have had a thing against them. They don't like them. And they haven't liked them for the last 24 years, and they have gone every which way but loose trying to figure out some way to put them in jail. And they've yet to find it. And at some point, you just have to say, all right, done, fine. You want now? You, you want to go back? You want to sanction or you want to reopen the State Department? Does the House want to have more committees? Fuck, whatever. But you, the one thing that I don't think that you can do is I don't think that it is reason that it is a good move to deny her access to uh, classified information because that is a largely symbolic move that serves no purpose other than to make her look other than to make her look bad at this point. And a large portion of the population as a people has decided that she is a candidate for president, whether the FBI likes it or not, whether, the Republicans like it or not, that's the deal. We've selected her for that. And just as a as a larger, I don't think it is it is good in practice to deny her information that she may need to do the job if she's elected. If they have a legitimate way to remove her, to remove her from office, if they have a legitimate way to 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 actually impeach her, indict her, whatever, but I don't think but they don't. They had their shot and they didn't get it. And to a certain, to a larger extent, I think it's, it's pretty much done. And part of the reason that this can't be a bigger issue is because of the Republicans. If the Republicans had been responsible and not put the host of the apprentice as their candidate, then I would be able to take a closer look at what Hillary Clinton did and say, you know what? Yeah. Maybe that is that is something that I should take into account. But when the alternative is to either throw my vote away or vote for Donald Trump, well, then I got to vote for Hillary. And the AML thing can't matter. And I can't argue with that. Because I, I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. The sad fact of the matter is, is that we have nominated Donald Trump. And 
while I do think that what Hillary did was wrong and even egregiously wrong, I don't think that it makes her a worse candidate than Trump. So, and let's be honest, as much as I love Gary Johnson and William Weld and want to see the Libertarian Party thrive, if the polls really do end up staying close as that one that recently, uh, the one that recently came out was, then I'll end up voting for Hillary. So I'll only vote for the, I'll only vote for the Libertarians if it, if it looks like Clinton's got a nice, a nice fat lead. So I am hoping for that. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Um, the polls have been sort of all over the map lately it seems like but the the interesting part to me is that trump has never he's pulled even quinnipiac's polls generally can't be trusted uh ditto with rasmussen which those are the ones that consistently show them as as with either trump in the lead or tied quinnipiac i think is the one that told the romney campaign they were going to win so or maybe that was rasmussen i don't remember one of those two was the one that told romney they were going to win and win big so they got a little leg on their face for that one. Um, but uh, Trump has never has never climbed above a certain number. Hillary at her best has been as high as 48, 49%. Trump at his best has never been any higher than 41. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's just, it's going to be a hard thing to, you know, maybe he's getting a bump now because of the whatever the you know because of the the email thing and some people were angry about that but you know uh, he'll he'll say something and screw something up and he'll fall down again you know he'll probably get another bump around the conventions and then hillary will get a bump and then we'll be back to the fact that you know you really pay attention to polls in september so who knows um i read an article on the washington post and then actually that was in several other places as well that uh very quietly, it seems like uh, ISIS is sort of preparing for the end of their caliphate um, because they have been squeezed so much uh, in Iraq by our forces and by Iraqi forces that they have almost been wiped out uh, within, from a standpoint of the ground that they hold. And that noose has been getting tighter for the last six to eight weeks, and now it seems like it's pretty much closed or it's getting there and it's very close to getting there. Uh, That was all over the media very quietly, but no one talked about it. It was in the Washington post. It was in USA today. It was even on Fox news. Um, And yet the prevailing wisdom from the right is that Obama has done a terrible job uh, and has blown all of this and is actually probably a terrorist himself. So, but then it seems like he's sort of, done even with Fox News's admission that he's done what he said he was going to do which was wipe out the caliphate uh wonder why that hasn't gotten any play that seems very interesting to me well because it's just not as much fun as talking about Donald Trump I guess so but I mean sadly uh, that, that also- is the case I mean that's the way that's the way it was with uh Ryan, right? When Ryan was trying to talk about the opioid, the opioid crisis and call a press conference to talk about that, all the press wanted to talk about was Trump. And so, yep, Obama has uh, is succeeding in what he set out to do, which was to eliminate the caliphate. Um, 
but it's just not as exciting as talking about the Trump. But the other, the Paul other, Ryan brought, Paul Ryan brought that shit on himself. He's the one that endorsed him. It's his own day. Uh, this was before he endorsed but anyway, him. What were but it, this was before he endorsed him. No, but anyway, okay. um, well, but another aspect of this is that the caliphate, the actual caliphate itself isn't what affects the day-to-day lives of, of Americans. The things that affects the day-to-day lives of Americans is the threat of terrorist attacks. And as the caliphate dies, the likelihood of an increase uh, in, in terrorist attacks is actually very probable. So while good job Obama on eliminating the caliphate, we're actually facing probably more danger for American citizens themselves as the caliphate now moves to um, ISIS now moves to trying to commit more acts of terror. Uh, And as we see more and more of these sort of lone wolf attacks, uh, which is from my understanding, probably what has happened, what happened in, in Nice um, and what happened in San Bernardino and what happened in Orlando um, and it's going to be a whole nother type of war. Um, and so I, I think that's why you haven't seen a giant hooray about the caliphate because good, but it's going to bring about a whole nother type of danger for us. Yeah, it does. It opens up a whole and and you've seen that because as the news has tightened, just because like these attacks that happen within the US that have happened in France, that's all sort of increased in the last three, four months. And as the caliphate has uh shrunk, these attacks have, have increased. And but now we're dealing to me, this is more and more like actual terrorism. And this is where I don't where I strongly disagree with all of this mess like Trump with his declaration of war. um, And uh, what was it? Newt said the other day, that idiot remark that he had about uh, uh, having some sort of Sharia litmus test or whatever that he felt like we should have uh, to kick out people that believe in, believe in Sharia law or whatever. I don't know, but uh, you know, you can't, especially not now, now that you've shrunk this down, and that we are, that we do have them in effect on the run, and that's why they're lashing out. You can't legitimize them by declaring war. We declare war on states, and that's what cracks me up about the the talk that that uh, that Fox and that Trump and and Rush and Hannity and Ann Coulter and all those yahoos out there that that talk about how we're the real Americans and we got to go out and declare war and we're going to stomp out terrorism and and we'll we'll like it so we're going to you know show them our balls and and all this stuff and and because we're the real Americans no you're giving them what they want what they want is legitimacy what they want is for you to be afraid what they want is for you to be shitting your pants over all this and you are shitting your pants over all of it. What drives them crazy is somebody who doesn't give them the time of day when it comes to official type responses. Somebody who just quietly goes in and tries to take them out the way that Obama has done, I think has done more damage to their movement than anything that any of these other people have been saying needed to be done. And I think by declaring war on them, you're you're legitimizing them 
And we can't do that. We can't afford to do that now. I, I don't understand it. Uh, well, what I don't get is we've also, I mean, so was Trump wanting to declare war on ISIL specifically? Is that what he was saying? No, he was saying that he wanted to go to Congress and get a declaration of war on global terrorism. What does that accomplish? Like, what would that I have mean? no idea. What does that, yeah, what does that even mean? How does that even read? Yeah, I Who guess are you that, declaring war on? Well, that would be my, my big question because we already have a war on terror, right? Bush, Bush already did that. He declared war on terrorism. So what would a declaration of war give? Would that, is that in the sense that it would give the president war powers and therefore give them even more leniency uh, or leeway in what he wanted to do? Which is really frightening. Yeah. Is that, is that the idea? Okay. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, in his mind, probably. Yeah. Because when you talk about expanding the executive shit, yeah and that's one and that's and 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 that's one of ryan's big issues with trump is the fact that we as republicans we don't want a super strong executive that's not our that's not our goal um and a declaration of war on isil seems to be a massive expansion of presidential powers so i yeah. Well, I'm not quite so knee-jerk. Oh, that's ridiculous. I, I would want to know more about, okay, what would that actually entail? What what would that mean? Um, especially because I'm already a little jittery about the idea of Trump having command of the nuclear codes. I, I don't know if I really want him with all of the war powers that that would entail if he was granted that right. Yeah, I, I think that's for that's for that's for damn sure. I don't want him with all with. I don't want especially not him. No, absolutely not. That's a terrifying thought. Um, okay, round of applause. Who you got this week? I don't have a round of applause. I have a WTF, and I'll give my WTF right. to go Michael. get him, Tiger. I'll give it to Michael Pence, um, and, and it's going back to the whole free trade thing where he said. He has said over and over again that he was a free trade Republican. This was a big thing for him. He was pro TPP. Um, he has been pro, you know, pro immigration. He was anti the idea of a wall. He was anti the idea of a Muslim ban. And now all of a sudden, because he's the vice presidential candidate, we have him walking back all of those things. Um, and I, I am deeply disappointed by that, as I was going to be deeply disappointed by any self-respecting Republican who was willing to put themselves on a ticket with Donald Trump. So WTF for accepting the nomination and WTF for walking back on your stances. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Pence to go all WTF on him. I, I, I know the two things that I've heard of him about I didn't like, which were the Syrian refugee thing and which I thought Connecticut's response to was brilliant. Um, and, uh, and of course the religious freedom, liberty, we don't like gay people laws or whatever it was he was trying to put in place. So I, my, my initial response was to be a little skeptical, but I'm, I'm with you. There was anybody, anybody that was going to willingly put themselves on that ticket was going to earn my skepticism. So, you know, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. So my, I, I'll, I have a, I have a round of applause, and then it's sort of sub WTF. My, my, you know, my round of applause this week goes to Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, the point of protests in this country since time immemorial has been to draw. Uh, has been to draw attention to issues that certain groups don't believe are getting enough attention. Uh, and after Ferguson, Black Lives Matter decided that they were going to draw attention to uh, police shootings. And for whatever reason, white people have decided that they want to get all uppity and, and up in arms about it and all lives matter and blue lives matter and just shut up. Stop it. The whole point of Black Lives Matter was to draw attention to this issue. They have done it 99% of the time. They have done so peacefully. They've done, I, I, I am not aware of any actual un, honest to God riots, deaths, shootings that were directly associated with the Black Lives Matter movement. The protest in Dallas was, was, was the pinnacle of what protests in this country are supposed to be, which is police protecting the rights of people to speak about the issues that they care about. And it was for all intents and purposes, a peaceful protest. And it was the perfect symbol of what we are supposed to be as a country. And one crazy person went out and decided to ruin it. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are now having a very real conversation about violence on police forces that I think needed to happen. And I don't think it would have happened without black lives matter. And I'm proud of them for it. There we go. So, and I just dropped my pen. Um. <clears throat> well, and I agree, yeah. and, but I, I, I disagree. I, I agree completely. Like, I, I think that, uh, black lives matter is fighting to, to draw attention to an important issue. Um, I, you know, while absolutely there are, um, you know, some nuances to, to things, you know, you can look at, um, you know, when you, when you look at some of the shootings that have occurred, you know, it's, it's a cop and the person is being, um, you know, potentially threatening towards the cop. Um, and you know, things like that can make everything a little hazy and, and, and difficult to understand when you're not able to see the whole situation. Um, but the, the number of, of shooting deaths at this point, uh, it's got to raise, it, it's got to raise concern for any, reasonable person at this point, I think, because uh, this number of shootings simply shouldn't happen. And especially uh, some of the, the circumstances with some of these later ones, uh, it, it's, it seemed really, really scary. Uh, and it's drawn attention, I think, for a lot of people, um, you know, about this idea of, of white privilege and the idea of what it's, what it's like uh, to be to be a black person in, in today's world. Uh, and while certainly it's much better, you know, than it was, you know, 30 years ago, that, that it's still it's still an issue. You know, that this this issue still exists uh, and it, it needs to be constantly addressed. Um, so absolutely. Round of applause to them for for bringing attention to everything. Um, I, I will take exception to what you said about white people. Uh, 
I don't all right, think some white that's that the came reaction out not all, of white not all, people. Not, not all, not all I, white people. I don't even think the majority of white people. I, I honestly, I honestly think the majority of white people uh, agree with what Black Lives Matter is is pushing and saying. Um, now, I think that there are strands of a militant left uh, that are causing issues. Uh, you look at BAM. Um, I don't know if you have you heard of them. Are you familiar with them? No. All right. So they're by all, by any means necessary militant. Uh, left-wing group uh, you've got the new Black Panther movement coming into play now um, and I think those can take groups like that can take things in a dangerous direction uh, and so I, I, I don't agree with with them uh, with their with their methods no nor do I but no, I not at all I, I do think that all this is um, I, I think it's a good thing that these that these issues are being addressed Um and you know, I do have a round of applause. Uh, I can't believe I forgot about him. Mike Lee, the junior senator from Utah, who everyone, you know, he's been a very vocal opponent of Trump. And he is one of the one of the delegates. And everyone saw him as sort of being a key swing voter. You know, if he was willing to push for unbinding the delegates and it was probably very, it was very dangerous for him from a career standpoint to put himself so directly in opposition with the you know Republican candidate. Uh, but even though the situation was looking grim, he didn't back down and he voted for uh, unbinding the delegates and really made a push. Uh, it seems that it's failed. But I greatly appreciate uh, his courage and him standing up for his beliefs. Yeah, I'll echo that. I'm 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 read some some interesting stuff about about him and and standing up to it. And Jeff Flake is another one who, uh, pretty openly stood up to Trump during a meeting in Washington recently. That was pretty impressive, from what I read. So there have been some some bright spots of people standing up. So that's been that's been good. Um. Yeah, so I have one WTF, which I'm because I'm just tired of this. I, I this is not political at all, but I read an article uh, on some website, uh, some idiot millennial talking about how the new Ghostbusters movie ruined their childhood because it ruined the original Ghostbusters for them. And holy crap, guys, just stop with this. You ruined my childhood crap with the remakes. First of all, remakes are just a thing. Hollywood's been doing them for decades. Every, every, since time immemorial, Hollywood has always done remakes and reimaginings and all that sort of stuff. They do a lot of them these days. You're absolutely right in reboots and whatever. But just quit. You know what? It doesn't matter what the new Ghostbusters is like. You still have the original and it's really, really good. And it's still brilliant. And it's it's like all this like that movie The People versus George Lucas that are all like, you know, a George Lucas ruined my childhood when he made the prequels. Come on. Seriously? And ruin anything? Knock it off. Star Wars is still awesome. It doesn't matter if Phantom Menace is kind of stupid. It doesn't make Empire any less amazing. Just knock it off with this you ruined my childhood crap. Everybody's all twitchy and shit about it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways. I haven't seen the new Ghostbusters yet, have you? Agreed. No, my, my wife just went to see it today. I lost the coin toss, but all of, uh, all of our friends said <laughs> that it was good, and they enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Just watch the, Enjoy the movie. Don't enjoy the movie. It's not going to ruin anything, for heaven's sakes. It doesn't make Bill Murray any less amazing. 
So anyhow, I uh, I don't I don't know that we have time to actually get to our big thing. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about it. We've got uh, how's your voice? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm all good. Okay, so I, we've already hit on this a little bit, but you know, in the it's it's like we said, just in the time since our last show, uh, we've had a couple of new police shootings come out that were really scary. Um, at least for me, one of them just still looks like some sort of Godfather style execution. And I can't get around that one. Uh, the, uh, you know, obviously there's been a, 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 there was the whole thing in Dallas, which was just awful. Um, and the media keeps hitting on this, on these divisions and Trump specifically is really playing this like a harp. Uh, that we are divided and it's dangerous out there and there's a lot of violence and, and somebody actually said that this is as bad as it's been since 1968. And that was an, and that to me is a scary, scary thing to say because a lot of really, a lot of really bad stuff happened in 68. Uh, we lost Dr. King. We lost Bobby Kennedy. We lost, uh, there were riots in Chicago over the, the democratic national convention. Um, I, I, what do you, I? I don't even know if if I think that it's as bad because I wasn't alive. But man, I hope it's not that bad. I, I but I don't know that it is. You read Twitter; it seems that way. But I try not to use Twitter as a barometer for <coughs> things that are actually happening. Um, that was loud. What was that? I just coughed. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Um, that hurt my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Was that payback for the alarm? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I did, what, what do you think? Or are we, are we as divided as people say? I, I don't think so. But honestly, I think you would have to. I'm not black, so I can't. I don't feel like I can really say like because I don't. That's not the world that I live in. So this isn't something that I have to struggle with on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, obviously my experience amongst my friends and amongst everyone is that it's not that big of an issue. Uh, Race doesn't play a a day-to-day role in in my life or the, the lives of any of my friends. But at the same time, I, you know, I... If I'm honest, I don't have any black friends. Uh, what does that say about me? What does that say about our culture that I simply don't have any? Um, you know, so I, I, I don't think that we are. Uh, I think that there have been some bad, some very bad things that have happened. But I, I don't personally feel like they're endemic of uh, what's going on in society, but I could be wrong um, because I, I simply don't have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. So I, I guess well, but I'm not, I guess I can't say. I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about divided along <laughs> black white lines, which obviously that's a that's a thing and and you know I, I didn't let me. I don't know that I would say that I have a lot of, of, of black friends, but I do have an awful lot of 
uh, a lot of coworkers um, who are African American, and I don't see any of this. Honestly, we don't even talk about it. It's not like it ever comes up. Somebody made a Trump joke in front of uh, one of one of my black coworkers, and all she the other day, and all she did was roll her eyes. <laughs> So, and that was what all of us were doing. We're all rolling our eyes. And then it was, it immediately went away. Nobody cared because it just seemed stupid. And, uh, you know, but uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's a me to look around. I, I don't see it either along racial lines, but again, you're right. I'm not black. So I don't know. And, and I would never claim to know what any of those folks deal with, you know, that's for them to, to say. And if they feel like there are, our problems and they want them addressed then they have every right to try to get them addressed. And I think that through black lives matter, I think they're doing that and I'm, I'm glad for it because I don't want anyone in our society to feel that way, you know, and it's hard to look at this stuff and say, no, you shouldn't feel like that, you know? Uh, so there's that, but it's, it's not just along those lines. You're, you're talking about, you've got two very different visions of what the country should be on the table. And you have two candidates that are at historic levels of, of dislike for lack of a better phrase. Uh, and uh, very often it's not so much that people like one candidate. It's just that they hate the other one so much that they're not willing to vote for them. Uh, and you have all of these really, all of these dividing lines being drawn out there. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if this is, if, if we are that way, but I do know that there are an awful lot of that. What to me, what Donald Trump is pushing is that he is, he is pushing division because I think he tends to thrive on it. And I don't think that's helping. I think it's egging an awful lot of people on and it is making it feel a lot more divided maybe than it actually is. I don't know. What do you think? Well, and, and that's in general how he seems, that seems to be his game plan with everything is that he wants to make us be afraid and feel, feel like the economy is going horribly when in actuality, like it's not really bad. It's actually going okay. And this idea that we're so divided as a country, I just, I just don't see it. It's just not my day to day experience. I spent, while I don't necessarily have a lot of black friends or Muslim friends, or I guess I don't really even have that many Hispanic friends except for my wife. I just end up working in those circles a lot because of it. I I certainly don't feel any sort of division. You know, I, I don't have any sort of issue with sitting in Starbucks. I kind of enjoy sitting in Starbucks and there being you know, uh, African-American over here, someone wearing a hijab over here and, uh, you know, someone of Hispanic descent over here. It's, it's nice. I, I like it. And I, I don't feel any tension or weirdness, uh, either for myself personally or coming from anyone around me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't, you know, I just, I feel like a lot of these divisions are, to a certain extent manufactured in an awful lot of ways by politicians and by the media. Um, you know, uh, and I would like to see more of that out of conservative 
more of, of, of trying to get away from those divisions out of conservative candidates. But I haven't really seen it yet. Um, and, and why, why is that? Why is it almost always, you know, like there was a, there was a guy today, uh, a West Virginia that I read about today. I don't know when this actually happened. I guess it did happen today. Uh, it was a West Virginia, uh, state Senator that tweeted out, uh, till Hillary Clinton, you should be tried for treason, murder and crimes against the U S constitution, then hung on the mall in Washington, DC. This guy's in. This guy's a state senator. You had the guy at the uh, at the what was it the Christian Leadership Conference or something? Who was a uh, Republican House Republican from the House, I think, that said uh, we should pray for Obama's days to be numbered. Um, it's we we look to our leaders in times like this to be the ones that maintain level heads. And so often talk like that seems to come out of conservatives. And I don't really understand why that always seems to be the case. Well, talk like that seems to come out of conservatives right now because we're the ones out of power and pushing for power. When Democrats were the ones out of power, you heard a lot of that sort of stuff about Bush. Um, so while I strongly disagree with it, um, I, I think that's what it's endemic of, and I don't think that it's conservatives any more than it was Democrats ten years ago. So, but conservatives are not out of power. Conservatives at one point before Scalia died, conservatives actually really had two out of the three, technically two out of the three uh, branches of government. They had control of the court. They had control of both houses of Congress. Uh, the only thing they were missing was the exec. Uh, I don't think conservatives are out of power at all. Uh, and I, I don't really understand why they feel that way for the most part. They've had an awful lot of control the last several years. They control most of the governorships uh, at this point. Um, you know, conservatism is very much alive and well. What they don't have is the presidency. Uh, and that seems to gall them, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. But that's that to me is where an awful lot of these divisions get manufactured when you have that sort of talk coming out of our leaders. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I've seen. Well, all right. But I mean, on come right on. Really but from the Democrat side, you've got Bernie Sanders with his oligarchy and revolution. And I mean, that's that's pushing division in and of itself. Uh, and then no, at the same right. time, you have Black Lives Matter, which is highlighting a division. They're stressing that there is a division, there is a struggle, there is this problem. You know, so I mean, I, 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 I in no way, shape, or form want to try to defend any you know remarks from this group or that group that I that I dislike. But I'm not going to sit here and. and say, yes, conservatives are the awful ones who are always saying the mean things or the bad things. You know, de Democrats do this as well. Mm, I'll, give, well I'll give you a little bit on, I'll give you a little bit on the, on the Bush thing, but I don't know. Lately, that's the way it's felt to me. But anyway, whatever. So, yeah, I... All right. Well, we are uh, we are we are far beyond our uh, our limits, and I'm certain your voice is, is struggling at this uh, this stage. How are you feeling? 
Well, sadly, I do. I, I think that we're about probably running out of time. Um, I do have something cool and exciting to, to not not exciting, but I definitely do want to take us out on a, on a happier note. Uh, the Lexington Lexington Police Department, um, I, I think, is with all everything that's been going on, has has done a, a wonderful job. And there was a nice article uh, in the paper of one of our Lexington police officers um, buying dinner for um, one of our more famous uh, homeless gentlemen who's, who's African-American, um, buying him lunch. And so there was a nice picture in the paper of the, the white police officer and the African-American homeless person um, sharing a pizza, which was just a nice, pleasant image of unity after all the the struggles and division that we've seen lately. That is extraordinarily cool. Thank you everyone for joining us. Be sure to check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibCon Matt. Tim is at LibCon Tim. Uh, have an outstanding week and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>